The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. Well, good morning and welcome to Overland Park uh, Community Church. It's good to see you and it's in this weather. Like, you guys got to be smiling. Like, it just feels so good out there. Perfect weather. I've been enjoying the weekend, and I hope you have been too. And uh, I want to encourage you today as we, uh, as we land this series, we've been talking about dealing with difficult, um, painful issues. There are things that happen, wounds that happen in our lives that are deep, um, can be inflicted, and we can go through life without ever addressing those things that have uh, caused us a great deal of pain from years past, and, and how that can begin to rob away from the, the freedom that we have. But the, when, we, when we think in terms of what that looks like to uh, begin to like, manage or, or work through the healing process and be intentional about it, um, you, you look at life, and the truth of, of the whole thing is life is just a measurement of choices. Like you, you wake up in the morning, and you just start making choices. Like, what are you going to wear? Um, what are you going to eat? Which, which direction? Are you going to go to church? Are you not going to go to church? Are you going to sleep in? Are you going to go this way to church? Or are you going to go that way to church? What are you going to do after church? Where are you going to eat? Um, you know, are you going to go to a place? Are you going to go eat with someone? If you go to Dairy Queen, what blizzard are you going to get? Jeez. Like I struggle every time. Do I get the Heath blizzard or the Carmel Sunday? Like, you can't go wrong with either one, but it's like, man, you eat one, you're like, I got to get that caramel. It's just choices, choices, choices all the time. And so some choices certainly are more significant than other choices, but all choices have consequences. Like, if you choose too many times, regardless of which choice you make at Dairy Queen, if you choose that choice too many times, you, you are going to have to choose to start working out, or you're just going to get large, right? So just choices have consequences, and we all have problems you never met a person on the world. You know, we look at some people and we think, man, they, they don't have any problems. Sure, they have problems. Everybody has problems. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter where you're at in life. Doesn't matter if you have all of the wealth in the world or you don't hardly have any money at all. You still have problems that you have to deal with. And so we have to choose how to deal with them. And as we've been landing and resting in this verse about um, Jesus, as Peter writes about Jesus, he says, he himself bore our sins in his body on a tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. Why did he die on the cross? Why did he bear our sins? So that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. So by all of the affliction that was put upon Jesus Christ, the God-man, um, we are able to go through a process of spiritual healing for our souls that are damaged to be repaired by the great physician. And so we have to make the choice to die to sins and live for righteousness. And in our healing from our wounds, we have to realize that it's an intentional process. And so when it comes to our pain, we choose how to deal with it. We choose whether we do deal with it or whether we do not deal with it. And so the Apostle Peter, he's kind of been our professor over the past few weeks as we've landed in a lot that he's had to teach us. And um, he, he's been able to teach us and give us some great advice because he, has, um, he's, he had a powerful experience with the Lord. And so it's one of these really cool passages of Scripture in Matthew chapter 16. It's sort of a declaration um, by Peter that he gets asked a question by the Lord. And it's a really important question for any human being. And it's one of those moments where 
Jesus was asking all of his apostles, all of these guys that he had chosen to follow him, he's asking them, who do they think he is? And he really just basically says, um, who do people say the Son of Man is? Matthew chapter 16, uh, verse 13. Now, Now, before I go any further, as we're thinking about choices today, who do you think he is? I guess, man, there's so many people who like are, you know, they're just kind of religious and think, well, I believe that Jesus existed. Well, that's not the question that Jesus asked for people. It's very clear that as we look in Scripture, written by uh, Matthew here, the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus wanted those who were closest to him to answer the question, who do you think I am? And so we have a choice about that. The identity of Jesus. Was he a historical figure that lived and and did um, some really cool things and we should model our lives after and try to be like him because he did really good things? Is that who he was? Is that how we identify him? And I think a lot of people do. I think a lot of people um, uh, that have not investigated the evidence that exists for who Christ is, they kind of just place him as this historical figure that we should probably emulate and model our lives after. A lot of people in our community are doing that. As a matter of fact, I recently met with someone, and that's exactly how they described it uh, to me. And so that I don't think there's enough clarity on the expectations of our own choice and what we do with our free will when it comes to this question. And so they asked Jesus, who do you say that I am? And they replied, some say you're John the Baptist, and some say Elijah, still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And Jesus says, but what about you? What about you? (laughs) That's a pointed question for every one of us to answer. What do you say he is? Like if Jesus were standing here today and you were looking at him face to face, who would you say that he was? That's what he wants to know. And so in this moment of... (laughs) Like bliss, the Holy Spirit comes over the apostle Peter, and he answers, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, this is a big deal to say this. In, in, in these times, in biblical culture, to be a son is to be equal with the father. And so when we say that Jesus is the son of God, we're basically saying that Jesus was God, okay? And so this is the proclamation that Peter makes in this moment. And so everybody's kind of like looking and, and thinking, what, you know, how, what is the answer to this question? We're all kind of wrestling with it. Peter says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And so, like, Peter has this moment with the Lord, and all the disciples are going, like, it's one of their moments, like, why didn't I say that? Like, man, why didn't I have the courage to answer the question when Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? Because they were all probably thinking, well, I think he is, but I'm not sure um, and, and this was to say that you are the Messiah, you are the chosen one, you are the one that we have been looking for as a people, as a nation for thousands of years. You are the one, the promised one, um, the seed that came to bless the entire world 
you are that one that we know that all the prophets talked about. You're not just a prophet. You're not just like Elijah. You're not just Jeremiah. You're not like John the Baptist. You are the one, Jesus. You are God in the flesh. Blessed are you, Simon, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. Now, this is an incredible moment for Peter. And so you know when you have those moments of like everything just comes together and you just feel like, man, like that was perfect. And all the other guys are kind of looking at you and you're just like, man, I just I crushed it. And, and you feel good on the inside. That was what this moment was like for Peter. And so right after this, Jesus begins to talk about and lay out his plan going forward. He begins to talk about what's going to happen to them. him. He says in verse 21, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day raised to life. And so here's this moment where Peter just crushes it. He's feeling like on top of the world. He's feeling like, like the Holy Spirit has just used him to make a profession that is unbelievable. And all the guys are looking up to him. All the guys wish that they would have been the ones who said it. Jesus has just praised him, like, right in front of them. And so then Jesus begins to talk about, I'm about to go to Jerusalem and die. Like, they're, man, the things they're about to do to me, like, it's going to be bad, dudes. And when Peter hears this in verse 22, it says, he took him aside and began to rebuke him. Now, let's just sit on that right there. Who do you say that I am? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are God in the flesh. And then Peter takes him aside and starts to rebuke him. Come on, Peter. Are are we missing something here? You just said that I was God. Now you're rebuking me. And, and, And so when we look at this, he says, Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block. To me, you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What's, what's Jesus' response from this point when he's listening and he's being led by the Holy Spirit? He says, blessed are you, Simon, upon this statement that you've just made of faith. I'm going to build the church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And he moves from that to, hey, bro, you're tripping me up. You got your mind on the things of man, not the things of God. You were thinking like uh, in, in the divine realm. You were walking by faith there for a moment, but now you're walking by sight, and, and you're messing things up. You sound like the devil, Pete. <laughs> Man, you go from here to hear like that. And that's exactly what happened to Peter. And so when we look at this, what we learn, and, and, and this is the big takeaway is that I want you to take away from church today, take away from this message. There are two paths for every problem. There, there are only two. Every decision you, you face in life, there are only two paths that you can choose to every problem in your life. The Lord's path and your own path. That's the path that we see Peter wrestling with here. He's on the Lord's path in the first statement, then he gets on his own path in the second statement, and the Lord begins to correct him. With every problem or wound we experience, we will come to a fork, 
And at this moment, we must choose the path to travel. For some of you, the fork right now is, who do you say that Jesus is? Some of you have really never dealt with that question. You're kind of going through life, and you're not really thought about, who does Jesus say that he is, and what does that mean for me? So every time we come up to a decision in life, there's a fork. And so here we are, and we have to decide which direction am I going to go. It doesn't matter if it's about your career. It doesn't matter if it's a decision that you're going to make about finances, a decision you're going to make about a relationship, a decision that you're going to make about um, where to live, just all of these different things. That, that, like there's a, there's a path, and when we look at these paths, we can get off track, and we can start traveling down the wrong path, and it leads to incredible consequences. Now, here's the deal about these two paths that I want to share you a little, a little bit of truth that hopefully will help you to make the right decision. Here's the first thing. The Lord's path is paved with healing, and it's hard to choose. It's just hard to choose, man. Um, Jesus is teaching us that we cannot avoid pain. He says what to us? Take up your cross. Follow me. Um, he says push through it. Embrace the pain that you, you, you feel and I'm going to be in the midst of that. When we choose this path, we heal. There's always freedom on this path. There's not always certainty on this path. As a matter of fact, I would even go as far to say as there's rarely certainty on this path. You say, what? There's rarely certainty with the path of God? That's right. There's rarely certainty with the path of God. There's always certainty with God because he's on the path but there's not certainty for us about how it's going to work out, only certainly certain about the one who owns this path. And do we trust the one who's laid out that path? Or do we not trust that one? So we don't have all the answers. When you begin to make a decision and you go, am I going to yield to Jesus and say, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God? You are God in the flesh. Am I going to yield to that truth and begin to follow him and yield to him in every area of my life? You don't know how all the circumstances are going to work out on that. So what you have to do is you have to believe and you trust in faith that God is calling you into this and you believe that he is laying this path out for you. And when you do that, you have certainty about God, but you don't have certainty about how, where he's taking you. And there, that's the joy of the whole experience. If the Lord told us everything that was going to happen before we did it, it would be no fun to follow him. And so when we look at what is God calling me to do when I come up to this fork in the road and there's always a, a fork that I can take, that I can take the Lord's path or my path, we have to understand that that path is not an easy path to take. If it were, everyone would take it, Right? Like, the world wouldn't be messed up. Like, everybody would be following the Lord. There wouldn't be brokenness in our world. We avoid this path because it's scary and it requires a tremendous amount of risk. It requires a lot from us. We have to be vulnerable. We have to be vulnerable with ourselves. We have to be willing to go, you know what? I'm going to trust the Lord. I don't know how all this thing's going to work out. I don't know what's next. I'm going to try to learn the truth of the word of God and apply it to my life. And I'm just going to trust the path that he has laid out for me. And I'm going to begin following hard after him. And I'm going to embrace my cross. We have to be vulnerable. We have to confess sin to God. We have to confess failure to the Lord. We have to confess, uh, if we're talking in terms of healing, we have to confess failure to ourselves. Remember, the most influential voice that you will ever hear is your own. And you have to be honest with yourself. And sometimes when you experience failure, no, not sometimes, always, if you want to heal from failure, you had better confess to yourself and to the Lord that you blew it. 
Quit playing games with yourself. Just be honest and own up to your cross. Embrace it and confess to the Lord that you have sinned. Confess to God that you have sinned. And then confess it to yourself. I have blown it. Because if you continue to lie to yourself, you will lie to the people around you and you will put on a facade and you will be a hypocrite. Because you're not being honest with God and you're not being honest with yourself. And it's very difficult to do. It's very difficult to come to a point in your life where you go, I have blown it. I have fallen short. Uh, I am a sinner. There is nothing good in me. (laughs) Like, man, you could never have freedom in Christ if you can't come to a place in your life where you realize you are desperately wicked apart from Jesus. Who's Who's desperately wicked today? Let me just model for you. Me. Like, I know apart from Christ, there is nothing good in Jimmy Holbrook. You see, we wrestle with that. You go, well, don't, haven't, don't, don't people do good things? Sure, people do good things. But when it comes to the holiness and standard of God, failure. I don't measure up. There's not enough in me. And so when I come to that place and go, there's not enough in me, then my relationship with God is not based upon what I do. It's based upon what he's done on the cross. And so then my identity doesn't get all screwed up and I'm trying to please God. I'm trying to just live a life that, that honors him, but I'm doing it in his power, not trying to earn his blessing, realizing I already have it. Not trying to get to a place of victory, realizing I'm already victorious. That's what salvation means. I'm saved from what? My sins and failure. That is a fork that the Lord lays out in the road. And when it comes to healing, if we're going to talk about the healing of our souls, the first step has to be um, uh, uh, the redemption of my soul to where it's put back into a right relationship with God. And that's what salvation is. And then when I am walking through life and I experience um, uh, uh, times of disobedience, which we will when we are not uh, listening to the Lord, we become obstinate and we make decisions that are not the Lord's path, but our own path. And it brings about deeper brokenness in our lives. Then we have to be willing to confess that and let the Lord in on that as well. And consistently, intentionally walking out with ourselves and with God, what it is that he is calling us to and being honest and humble um, with him as our, our creator. And that's scary. <laughs> that's scary, man. Who wants to get up and say, oh, I'm a failure? It's not our culture. Our culture is that even if you fail, never let them see you sweat. Never let anybody know that you're down. But the scripture says, if you'll lose your life, you'll find it. And if you'll quit thinking like the Western world has taught you to think and think like Jesus, who is God in the flesh, you will find your life. And so the, the, the path of God is not an easy one that just makes all of this, like the, the, that our culture like sort of primes us for to choose. We have to confess our sin and that's scary. We have to be vulnerable. We have to face pain and allow others to see us hurt. And we have to allow other people to be there in it. We have to allow the Lord to be in it. That's what free will is, is we allow the Lord to be in the midst of our mess. We have to forgive. We have to grieve. We have to reconcile difficult relationships. The path is paved with healing, but it's often hard to choose because it means a crucifixion of myself. Take up your cross follow me, Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple. If you'll lose your life, you'll find it, he tells us. This is a hard path to choose, but it is where healing is found. 
And when you figure this out and you begin to choose this path, what you will begin to realize is that the Lord supernaturally begins to do a work in your life. You receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. God now lives in you. Why does God live in you now and not before? But because before there was no room for him because you were occupying every place of your heart. The Lord will not occupy a place filled with pride. That's why the Bible talks about pride so much. But when a man humbles himself before the Lord and bows down before Christ and confesses him as Lord, as the king of the universe, the Lord moves in and the Holy Spirit occupies us because it is a place in which the comfort of the Holy Spirit can come. Sometimes we talk about the comfort of the Holy Spirit as he comforts us. Maybe that comfort is tied to the Holy Spirit being comfortable in us so that we are experiencing what he is experiencing. Can the Lord be comfortable in you? The only way the Lord can be comfortable in you and continue to maintain his standard of holiness is if you're willing to choose the path that he lays out that is often difficult to choose. And when we do that, then what happens is we begin to walk in this incredible freedom. It begins to roll out of our lives and we begin to live life by a different set of values. They're spiritual values. It is the fruit of the Lord being produced in our lives. It is walking by faith and not by sight. It's not living according to the old standard that has always been familiar to me. It is not living according to what I've always known. It's living according to what Jesus has taught. And man, he says that if you, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. (laughs) if, If you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Man, I don't know, like, I don't know where you're at today, but I feel like the Lord really impressing upon me in this moment to, like, to just testify for you. I am free today, unhindered. My identity is not tied by how many people come to the church on Sunday morning. My identity is not tied by how big my house is. My identity is not tied to how well I perform and how successful I am, how much money I have. All of those things are great, and I hope to have them all, but they're not going to make me feel any more free than I feel today because I am free. It's the only way to live, man. There, there's so many people in our, in our world, and this community is so filled with people, and they have the ability because of the surplus of income in this community to sort of mask it all and, 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 and make sense of life and really kind of travel down their own paths that they don't realize how much more there is to life that they're missing out on because they're locked up, they're in prison, and they don't even know that there's freedom available and it's found in Christ when we begin to yield and follow this, this path that he lays out for us. And, and the interesting thing is, is that the more we yield to it, though it is hard to choose, we start to get comfortable with it. It's sort of like working out, man. You, you, you work out the first, like I'm the epitome of the example for working out, right? I know what it is to work out. But you feel pain, and, and, but you continue to move in that, and you start to like get comfortable in it, and you start to feel better. You start to have more energy. You start to like the way that you look better, and, and things just like, you, 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 you go, this is the way to choose. Like, I want to go down this direction because I like the way this life is better. That's what happens to us spiritually. It's the same thing as the Lord does a work in us, 
And when, he, when the lights come on and we yield to him and confess him as Lord and walk out the path he lays for us, we begin to experience an incredible amount of freedom. Because as Jesus said, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. Here's the problem. It's my path. My path is paved with self-medication, and it is easy to choose. This is the problem. This is, the sep- this is what separates a person who is living in complete freedom in Christ and a person who is still trying to claim salvation and they're living on their own self-medicated path. They have no freedom, but they're trying to claim freedom. It is not rolling out of them like it is supposed to. It is not a wellspring of life that is springing up within because even though they claim to know Jesus, they're not yielding to Jesus. They're still trying to lay out their own path that is easy to choose as opposed to the path that the Lord has laid out for them, and therefore they don't experience the freedom um, the Lord has for them. Instead of giving in to God and choosing his path, we self-medicate. Look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, we, we learn this. For all that is in the world, what is in, for, for what is it that is in the world? All that is in the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. Okay? Two paths. And he's telling us very clearly. Here's the self-medicated path. Here's the path of the Lord. The lust of the flesh is sex and substances. Relational satisfaction and substances that will help us self-medicate. The pride of life is performance. Look how good I am at this. We avoid pain by trying to save ourselves and find identity through our performance. The lust of the eyes, materialism. Find identity with more stuff. The more stuff that I have, the more enjoyable my life will be. It's not true. It's not true. This is why you find people who are incredibly wealthy, stars, overdosing. They're either caught up in the sex and substances the lust of the eyes, something. And it is like, I can't take it anymore. I've got everything that the world could give me, but I have no freedom. It's over. And so we look at this and we go, man, the path of uh, my own path is, is, is one of self-medication and it's easy to choose. And so I'm, I'm so thankful for Peter's life because we see him and the gospel writers recording his failure. And I'm thankful that they did that because he learned from it. He learned how to choose the Lord's path. And so when we jump back into his epistle, the letter that he's written that was our theme in um, uh, chapter 2, verse 24, that we're healed by his wounds. Like he knew this. Like Peter repeatedly made this mistake. He's like, I'll never deny you, Jesus. I'll never deny you. Jesus said, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. What happened? He denied him. He went out and wept bitterly. It crushed him. Ultimate failure fell flat on his face. Why? Because he was choosing this path. And so he writes for us <laughs> so poignantly in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1. And I'm going to land this thing. Therefore... Since Christ suffered in his body, 
arm yourselves also with the same attitude. Because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. What does that mean? He's done with sin. It means that we realize sin, like, what is sin? What is sin today? Like, what is sin? It's ignoring and rebelling what the Lord is asking you to do. Sin is not always like this list. Like, we, we think in terms of list. Okay, here's the sins. Don't get drunk. You know, don't, don't look at pornography. Well, that's not what the Bible says about sin. Definitely, that's, you know, those are sin. It says those things. But it says, to him that knows to do good and doeth it not, it is sin. So there can be a good thing that the Lord is leading you to do that you turn a deaf ear to because you're walking down your own path and you're not walking down the path of the Lord and you have sinned. And so Peter says that the key to life is to listen to what the Lord is calling you to. We arm ourselves with the attitude of suffering like Christ, and we realize that there is gain in the pain. We realize that the flesh is the one that's telling us it's going to hurt, but the Spirit is the one who is going to bring about the freedom in our lives. That's why Jesus says the flesh is willing, or the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So here, here's the deal. Though it's difficult um, to un- difficult to do, we understand when we land here where Peter's showing us. Though difficult to do, we understand the benefit of choosing the Lord's path over our own. So the, the big idea is this. When you come to the fork in the road, choose the Lord's path, not your own. You can, so here's the deal, man. The ultimate fork in the road is when you first meet the Lord. When you first say, who do I say that Jesus is? Either he's Lord in your life or he's not. That's the ultimate fork, okay? So you can't even get on the Lord's path without accepting Christ as the sacrifice on the cross for your sins. But once you're on that path, there will be fork after fork after fork after fork. Today, you will face many forks in the road. Learn to choose the path of the Lord. And, and, and avoid, learn, like get very effective at avoiding your path and very comfortable at choosing the Lord's path. And it generally will be the one that's the hardest for you to choose because you'll look at it and go, ah. But in time, you will begin to learn it's harder to choose your own path because your trust and your confidence in the Lord and the way that he's moving in your life will be so greatly magnified because the Lord stretches your faith and he grows you spiritually that it becomes harder to choose your own path than it does the Lord's. That's what's happened for me. and, and, And what happens is that I find myself now like, I don't always choose the Lord's path. I, that would be foolish for me to say that. I'm not perfect. But I find myself when I don't choose it just kicking myself, going, oh, you're so stupid. How'd you let the enemy manipulate you right there? And I, I, I quickly correct and repent of my sin 
and ask the Lord to forgive me, and I'm staying over here in this, this lane. Why? Because my freedom is over here, man. I know that nothing but death is in this other path. I've tried to walk that path out. It is disappointing. I want nothing to do with it. So I've learned to love the path of the Lord. Now, how do we walk that path out? Well, the scripture says, thy word is a lamp unto my path. The more that you are in the word, the easier it is to recognize the path of the Lord. The less that you are in the word, the more likely you are to run in your own lane. There's no, there's no freedom over there. All the freedom is over here in the path of the Lord. So when you come to that fork, just, you know, you do, you do an incredible amount of good in your life just to go, here's a fork like Jimmy talked about. This is what the Lord's trying to get me to see. There's a fork in my life right now. Am I going to go this way or that way? And every time that we make that decision to go in the Lord's path, it'll be a little frightening. It'll be tougher. But we will see the dividends pay off as the Lord brings freedom into our lives. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.